This is episode 255 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Infinite banking in under 60 seconds. We've all got to save our money somewhere, and we think that a high cash value life insurance policy is the perfect place to save it. Why? We're going to save our money inside this policy, and it's going to grow tax-free. Down the road, we're going to get hit with an emergency or an opportunity, maybe a chance to buy a business, real estate property, an income-producing asset, and instead of withdrawing from our savings account, we're going to leverage that asset. We're going to borrow the insurance company's money, and we're going to invest in that opportunity. Our money is still inside of that policy, compounding, uninterrupted, tax-free, and our money's outside in this investment opportunity. We're going to rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, all while providing a death benefit for our families. Down the road, we're going to retire. Now we retire with a high cash value life insurance policy with a lot of cash. We're going to start taking those policy loans again, but this time we're never going to pay them back. When I say never, I mean we're going to pay them back with the death benefit when we die, and our families are going to get left with the rest completely tax-free. Welcome back to the show. Today I have Ray Blanchard on and Ray drove all the way up from Windsor, Ontario. I've known him online for many years. This is the first time we met face to face and Ray just seems like an interesting guy. He's got a lot going on and uh, his story was pretty inspiring. Like I've, I've never done this before, but the entire episode was just him telling his story. We literally just went start to finish him telling his story and I was... Uh, very, very interested the whole time. So uh, I just I just went with it. And uh, I think you're going to get a ton out of this. Ray told a story about how he uh, got into real estate, how he moved to Windsor for the opportunity, um, how he sort of grinded it out for a while and realized, hey, this is not a good use of my time. I need to go bigger. Uh, he talked about some mistakes that he made uh, getting into a really big partnership for development and then going smaller scale thereafter uh, to avoid bringing in partners. It was just, it was a really entertaining story and uh, something I think a lot of people can learn from. So sort of valuetainment, uh, not trying to uh, take off of uh, that podcast or anything, but a combination of value and entertainment. And I thought it was great. And um, so that's what you're going to get today. As always, I want to remind you that the best way to help this podcast, if you're if you're feeling grateful for the content and if you're finding it helpful, is to share it with somebody. And then the next best thing would be to leave a review and uh, a rating. Five star would be appreciated just to help uh, help the algorithm pick it up a bit more. And uh, if you're new to real estate investing, I highly recommend checking out the first 10 episodes of this show and then coming right on back to current episodes. It'll help you get a great foundation and help you have something to grow on. Uh, so without further ado, let's jump into episode 255 with Ray Blanchard. Hello and welcome to the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. I've got Ray Blanchard who drove all the way up from Windsor and uh, I make jokes about not going to the East End of Toronto. You went much further. <laughs> yeah, it can be stressful. <laughs> One thing I remember, because I'm originally from Toronto, so whenever I come to the GTA, I just remember how much I hate the traffic in the GTA. Oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I don't I don't commute. Like, it's funny, I make a joke that I just like, we're 10 kilometers from here pretty much in any direction. Yeah, there's uh, definitely an argument to be made about, you know, working from home or working close to home. Yeah. Because in Windsor, you, you just don't have the traffic at all. Like you can yeah. get across Windsor in 15, 20 minutes. Right? It'll come, but that's... It, it is coming. I, yeah. I do see the fact that it it is picking up. As they push density, yeah. and you know these roads, like they're not really changing anything about inner city roads as they push all this density with, you know, multiple units. Like naturally, all these roads are going to plug up. And Burlington used to be this quiet little town. Mm -hmm. Sure isn't anymore. It's a major like, it's city. insane. Yeah. 
yeah, just getting out of this like little pocket we're in right now when I'm done, you know, at the office for the day is busy. Yeah. I'm going like what should be a 14 minute drive, you know, it could be 25. Yeah. So anyways, yeah. neither here nor there. Uh, you're here. You made it. And yes. Thanks uh, for having me. A pleasure. Yeah, I've been looking, listening to your podcast for, for a few years, you know. No, it's good and, to hear. And I know we, we had connected a few times over the years and um, only in passing. So, yeah. uh, and it was all digitally. So Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so uh, good to uh, to meet you face-to-face. -face. Um, one thing notable is uh, you actually helped me out with a tip, which it sounds like we're going to get uh, a little get bit of grant? a rebate awesome. or grant from uh, CRA uh, for new businesses in yeah. 2021 and 2022 yeah do we want to tell do you want me sure, to explain yeah, it to your guests it, yeah so basically I, I i only came uh came to know about this maybe about three months ago and again a chance meeting with a realtor in windsor and mm -hmm. he told me about it it was someone again i never met in person it was online and mm -hmm. he and he put something out on his feed and i asked him about it and he referred me to an accountant and you know, uh, a month later, I've got $90,000 in my bank account mm -hmm. um, because I bought a commercial property uh, yeah. back in 2021. And so this tax credit, which is called the Ontario Regional Investment, no, sorry, the Ontario Regional Opportunities Investment Tax Credit, mm. it, it's a mouthful, that it, it's been around for a while. And it basically gives you 10,000, if you buy a commercial property, it gives you a 10% tax credit on the a refundable tax credit up to $45,000. Mm -hmm. However, after COVID, I, be, I believe it was COVID that it, the reason why they increased it, but from March of 2021 to the end of this year, they increased the tax credit to 20% up to $90,000. Mm -hmm. so, so I guess there's a bit of a rush for people to get it you know, get this tax credit uh, mm -hmm. before the end of the year, before this year, before it goes back down to 10%, right? So in other words, they'd be, well, they could file later, but it has to be for this tax year, right? Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. So, and, and and another thing I learned, I think since speaking with you is, if uh, you can file in one year, you're, on, you're only allowed to file for the tax credit once per affiliated entity. However, Mm -hmm. If you bought a property in another year, so you, you can still again. file again. Yeah. So I actually just, I'm closing mm -hmm. on a property this month. And you're going to file and, for And I'm going to file for it again. <laughs> another 90. Yeah, that's right. Oh, that's wild. And then next year, I'll buy another one and I'll file for 45, right? Yeah. So My only like real problem with it is I have a rule about not asking the government for anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, uh, with the partners, my, my rule is, okay, we can go for this, but I ain't signing any of those documents. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not signing that. Yeah, I understand. Uh, yeah. But, but you uh, know, if you're, if you're getting into bigger real estate, eventually yeah. you got to go to CMHC, which is the government, right? Yeah. Yeah. Government, so. well, government, uh, controlled anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So. It, yeah. You're, you're not wrong about that. Uh, it just feels icky. Yeah, I don't like dealing with the mafia. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, anyways, so uh, Ray, I don't know your story. Uh, tell me like high level, like where you started, what got you into real estate investing? Sure. So uh, as I said, originally I'm from Toronto mm -hmm. and uh, I grew up working in the hospitality industry. Like I started working in fast food restaurants. Then, you know, when I was a, you know, 12 years old, I started working in fast food restaurants. Then uh, got into bars and and then rest bars and you know licensed restaurants and then eventually nightclubs and ho and hotels, um, 
And my goal was always to open my own restaurant. So fast forward, 2003, uh, I have an opportunity to open a restaurant with uh, what is now my ex-wife. And we decided, yeah, we're going to go for it. So we raise a whole bunch of money from our family. And we open not one, but two restaurants. <laughs> um, yeah. And, uh, and so the first restaurant, my ex-wife was Portuguese. So she had a lot of construction knowledge in her family. Her uncle was very knowledgeable. So I started working with him directly for about five months. Every day I'd work with him and he taught me everything I knew about construction. And it was like a free construction, you know, apprenticeship. And uh, we built up the first restaurant. And then when it came time to do the second restaurant, the family kind of had like a little bit of a, an outing. And so he wasn't available to, to work. So I basically GC'd mm. it and, and ran the next restaurant. So I, that's where I learned how to do construction. Fast forward another 10 years, you know, restaurant industry sucks. It's terrible. <laughs> Don't get into the restaurant industry. Real estate is much, much better. Um, we get divorced uh, and I'm still in Toronto and I start doing condo flips just on paper. Right. That's okay. how I started getting into restaurants. So you're doing pre-construction? Yeah, pre-construction yeah, okay. uh, condo flips in here in Toronto. Um, with a friend of mine, I'm doing that. And then uh, I made I meet a woman in 2014. We date for a while. She has an idea. She wants to do a condo flip, a physical flip. I'm like, okay, sure. I know how to do that. I can, I can do renovations. And, you know, I've already done paper flips. Why don't I do a physical flip? So we did. We bought a place down on St. Lawrence Market, and five and a half months later, we, while living in it, while we're renovating it, we did this flip downtown, and uh, we made really good money in just five months. You know, uh, we made such good money. We said, okay, we're going to take six months off. We're, sorry, we said we're going to take a couple months off. We're going to go travel to Costa Rica. It ended up turning into six months, and we did all of Central America, and then we broke up. <laughs> <laughs> But but that got me into the real estate bug, right? And uh, and then and then the same girl we got back together. Got it was a kind of a tumultuous relationship. We get back together off and on. And each time you'd flip a property. And, no, <laughs> each time something with real estate came up though. So yeah. when when we weren't together, she was bidding on these municipal tax sales all over Ontario. I'm sure you've heard of that, right? I Where, have, but I've never heard of like. Or anyone go deep on it for Ontario. I've, yeah, I've so heard, you're going to hear about a success story. Oh, I can't wait. Tax yeah. sale. So, you know, properties go into arrears on their taxes for whatever reason yeah. for many years. It's it takes, common in the States, right? That's a very common like thing, right? Yeah, common in the States, but yeah. it's not so common in Canada, but it does yeah, happen. Okay. So I'll, it, it, it happens story. everywhere in Ontario. Yeah. And uh, and so when the, when the state gets to the point where it's been about three or four years in delinquency, they will actually seize the property and sell it. Okay, you know, big big government, right? Uh, so they take your property, they're gonna sell it, and if they, I think they're supposed to give you back anything more than what they get, but I'm not sure if that actually happens. But they put it to an auction, and it's a, and it's like a, a blind auction. So they put it up on a website. They say this property is for sale. You cannot go visit it. You can't go in to see it. Um, and uh, I mean, you can drive by it, but that's it. You 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 won't be able to get. They don't give you any details on it. They say this is what it is put in your blind bid. And and basically the starting bid is whatever taxes are owed on the property. And so you have to kind of guess how much anyone's willing to pay for that property 
in an unknown yeah. state. And so she was doing this all over Ontario and kept losing and losing and losing. Sometimes she'd lose by $1,000, sometimes she'd be lose by $50,000. What were people like bidding? Are they going like 50% of what you would go if you could tell what it was? Or is it more aggressive than that? I guess it depends on the market. It depends on the market. It depends yeah. on what the, like as everyone goes to Google Maps and looks at the property, right? And, yeah. it, and you, you kind of can tell about, you know, yeah, does what, it look what, solid? What does it look does like it, on the yeah. outside? If you know? it looks like a dumpy, like poorly built one versus a solid yeah. brick building, like, and yeah. then you look at market values of houses, yeah. and you kind of make your own. Everyone makes their own determination, but uh, but sometimes you're way off, and sometimes you're really close. Mm -hmm. So she eventually got lucky on one of them, and she won one in Windsor. Uh, she ended up buying a one and a half story house for fifty two thousand dollars, right? Which we thought it was fantastic. You know, it's an amazing price. So we drove down. We and, and here's the thing: when you win a tax sale, you have to pay the whole amount that you bid. You have to pay it in cash, right? Within 14 days. Like you mean, like a check, bank draft, all that. Yeah, and yeah. Like you have to pay yeah. it to the city. Yeah. And with, you have to close within 14 days. You have to put a 20% down. You have to put a a deposit down when you. I think it's a 10% deposit, I think. You have to put down when you put your bid in. Mm -hmm. That's refundable, right, if you don't win. Yeah. Um, and then you put this 10% 10, 10 deposit down, and then you have to put down the balance within 40, 14 days. Okay. Right? So it's a it's it's an interesting way of buying property. And there's a lot of people who just, that's all they do is they bid on tax mm -hmm. sales. And um, and sometimes you can really hit the jackpot. Yeah. And we thought we, we did really well. And then, of course, we get the keys we go in and we found out, oh no, Google Google Maps didn't show us that there was a hole in the roof for like the last 13 years and all the rain and snow and it animals and everything. It. Yeah. it was really bad. So we had to gut the whole place. Yeah. But luckily she had the money to do some renovations and mm -hmm. uh, you know, I start I helped her start gutting it and then of course we broke up again. <laughs> so so she's in Windsor, she's doing the rest of the flip. Yeah. And uh, but but the time that I was there doing the demolition, helping her do the demolition, we went around Windsor and we saw the value. Like you can buy a side by side duplex for sixty thousand dollars a unit, right? Yeah. This was this is in twenty sixteen. Okay? Yeah. Twenty sixteen. So not that long ago. Yeah. Um. And 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 we saw the rents that you could get relative to the price, like on a sixty thousand dollar, you know, uh, two story semi detached house. You could get a rent of like, you know, twelve hundred dollars a month, thirteen. Yeah. And if you do the math on that, it's yeah. really good. Yeah, two percent. And and at first, you you know, in, in Ontario, you know, I was watching, I was listening to podcasts. I'm not sure if you were were you were doing a no, podcast. No, we were back nineteen. Then? Yeah, so I was listening to you know Matt McKeever and all those guys on YouTube, and they were talking about getting a one percent property, and we're like, yeah, wow, we can find two and two and a half percent properties in Windsor. Yeah. Why don't we go there? So. She stayed there. I went back to Toronto. Long story short, we end up getting back together and surprise, surprise, we're gonna have a little boy. Right. Oh nice. And uh and so that kind of that kept us together, you know, since then. And uh and we uh and 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 at the same time, like I said, I got out of my previous marriage, I got out of the restaurant business, did not have a huge amount of wealth, but I had some money. And then I thought, oh, I'm going to be a genius. I'm going to make my fortune in trading online, doing day trading of derivatives. Because I did at one... Well, a lot of people were doing that the last few years, right? Yeah. yeah. But and so, well, I actually worked at, 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 a, at a firm back before I got opened the restaurants. I, I got out of the restaurant business and started working as a 
as a proprietary day trader at a mm -hmm. at a day trading firm in Toronto. Okay. And I did really well for a year and a half. So I thought, oh, I can do I can do it on my own. I don't have to pay the firm, you know, whatever it is, fifty percent commission, right? So uh, so I thought, okay, I'm going to do it on my own with my own money. But I never traded derivative. You know, I, I started off stocks, then I went to futures, and, and it, it it was a disaster. So okay. long story short, I made money, really good money, had a great lifestyle for a year, and then it all came crashing down, and I lost pretty much everything. So what year was that where you lost th it? This is in 20, 2015. 2015. 2015. Okay. I, I I took a huge financial hit. I had maybe like twenty, thirty thousand dollars left. Then we did a flip. I made some of that money back. Thought, okay, I can make all my money back in derivatives. You know, I I I'll correct what I made the mistake. No, went back, did it, lost all that, right? Mm -hmm. Um. So, so now now we get together. We have a baby on the way. I've got maybe ten thousand dollars left to my name, and and I'm in my you know late forties now. And I'm like, wow, I got to really get get back on track. And so we say, uh, we're going to go, we, we did our research. We said, Windsor's the place. She already owned this property here. It was, she turned it into a student rental. And we said, okay, let's go to Windsor and we'll start all over. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll do flips. I'll do whatever I have yeah. to. And we're going to, you know, make our future there. And so that's what we did. When we waited till the child uh, or my son was born, when he was four months old, we just packed up in my car and drove down there and uh, and the only income we had was maybe fifteen hundred dollars a month that she got from the the student the rental, rental after paying all yeah. of her all of her expenses and uh so i started doing handyman work on kijiji just putting out ads and in about a month or so, for about a month or so i did i made like five or six thousand dollars yeah cash you know just doing fixing people's fences and doing this and that yeah and i, I fixed this guy's basement put in an apartment for him. And then, and then I went to quote on another basement project out in uh, Bell River. And I met this gentleman. Uh, he was, he had some money, but he didn't, he didn't even know how to swing a hammer, but he wanted to get into flips because he thought, you know, this is the way he's going to make a lot of money. Mm. And uh, I said, so we, after talking for a couple of hours, we had a hand, we made a handshake deal. We're going to go into flips together. I'm going to be the you know, the project manager and I'm going to do a lot of the construction and he's going to be the money guy. And we're going to split it 50 50. so we did we we did four flips together in 18 months we both made about about 140 150 thousand dollars total yeah no yeah, no okay. each yeah that's what i'm saying yeah, like yeah. total each between yeah, all the yeah. four yeah. so we both made some money so yeah. that helped me get back a little bit on my feet plus when i was in windsor when we got to windsor i mean i'm hustling and i i was reading all about creative financing because when you have no money you have to get creative right mm -hmm. so I, I was studying all kinds of different types of creative financing, you know, from these experts in the States like uh, Ron Legrand and all these guys. Okay. And I was naive enough to think that, you know, a lot of these strategies you could just do here in Canada. But, and, and yeah, I got a lot of rejections, you know, because I was trying to buy people's houses with no money down like, without putting any money into the deal at all. And it was tough. It was it can tough. still be done, but yeah, it can it's, be. It's but tough, it, it was yeah. really tough. Yeah. And uh, but anyways, I ended up buying uh, within two, three weeks of getting there. I ended up buying a house. It was not in the greatest neighborhood in mm -hmm. Windsor, but it, but it was a two bedroom, two a two bedroom, one bath house with the potential to put another two bedroom apartment in the basement. Not legal, but you know, uh, sure. like a grandmother suite. And uh, so I bought that, bought it off of a wholesaler. 
um, in Windsor. And uh, he, he helped me, he introduced me to a private lender who was gonna give me 80% down. Mm-hmm. So I just come up with 20%. So I borrowed from uh, a family member of mine who had a line of credit they weren't using. I said, let me just borrow it. I'll, I'll make sure I pay you everything. And I'll pay all the interest. And so they lent me the money from the for the down payment on that. So I basically bought it with no money of my own. Mm-hmm. But and then I and then I turned to the uh, private lender who was actually a pretty cool guy. And we were, you know, he was very open to different type of transactions. So I said, listen, I don't have the money to make payments. Let's let's capitalize the the, the payments. So instead of my mortgage, instead of making just interest only or making yeah. mortgage with capital, uh, sort of with interest and uh, principal, pay, yeah. principal, we capitalized it. So every month my mortgage is going up by the interest amount. Yeah. We moved into that property for two months and then we moved out because we bought another house off the same wholesaler. And then, and then I started renting it out. And that rent was my income. Like okay. I didn't have to pay pay a mortgage payment. Yeah. You know, you pay your insurance yeah. once, and that's it. And then that was my monthly income. And then a few months later, we finished. A, I finished a flip with my partner, mm-hmm. and I, I think all I made off that flip was about twenty three thousand dollars or something like that. But it was like two months. It was not too bad. Better than doing handyman work. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I took that money and then put it down on another house. Where I got the same private lender to do the same deal, capitalized, yeah. you know, eighty percent. Hadn't paid the first one. Yeah, I hadn't paid it. Hadn't paid ma- ma- not one mortgage payment yeah, against yeah, yeah. the first nice. house. Cool. Then he 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 he, le- he came in for eighty percent of the second one, but that was fully rented out. Yeah. And it was bringing in twenty two hundred dollars a month. I bought it for that that house there on the same street, you know, in the Drulard Ford City area. Um, that house had previously had a contract to be bought for 130,000, but it fell through. And it fell through in December. I arrived in Windsor in June uh, of 2018. And this was now December of 2018. I'd finished the flip, I had a little bit of money, and uh, I heard about this house falling through, the sale falling through, but the guy really needed to sell. So I made an offer of like 100,000, and we settled on 100, I think 110, 110,000 I bought it for. So I figured I had some built-in equity there already. Yeah. And uh, but again, made the same deal. This time it was sort of money down, but you know, because I earned the money. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, I bought that house, and now I had between the two houses renting out, I had gotten up to I think thirty-four hundred dollars a month in rent I, or yeah. in income for myself, right? Because again, yeah. I'm not yeah, paying any mortgage payments. But in the meantime, while I'm doing the flips during the day with him. At night, I'm going to my first property and I'm doing the work on that yeah. to, f- to put in a bed- basement apartment. For the basement apartment, yeah. I finish that, I get yeah. that rented out for an additional 1150 a month, mm-hmm. which is not bad for a basement, two bedroom apartment. And uh, and so now my income goes up to, I don't know, 40, 4,700 a month. So, mm-hmm. so now I've got some income, I'm doing flips and that's how I get into Windsor. Time goes on. Um, Towards the beginning of 2020, just before COVID, we had we sit down and we say, and I and he he's he's happy with the arrangement, and I'm like, you know, I, I I'm grateful for the arrangement, but I'm killing myself. You know, I'm not a 20 something year old guy. I'm in my late 40s now, and I'm killing myself, and I'm not getting rich. I'm making okay money, but I'm not getting rich. So I said, I, I got to move into bigger projects. Like, do you want to do bigger? Ish, like bigger flips or and i told him i said I, I see all these 
boarded up buildings downtown, you know, and uh, I think there's opportunity to take, to get these buildings cheap and to convert them to residential and make a lot of money. Mm -hmm. He didn't want to do it. He didn't see it. He's like, no, I want to stay with what we're doing. So we shook hands again and, you know, decide we never had a contract between us. We just shook hands and said, okay, you're going to, after this flip's done, we'll divide everything up and you keep doing what you're doing and I'll go on and do what I'm doing. And uh, of course, I start thinking about bigger and better projects. And uh, I start looking at all these commercial buildings. But uh, I got in touch with a uh, commercial broker mm -hmm. there in Windsor. And he turned out to be a great guy. And and I told him, I said, listen, I, I, actually how I found my properties is I actually just walked the streets in downtown Windsor. Like on a Sunday when, you know, maybe I was finished doing work on a flip. I just went downstairs. I went downtown and I started walking the strip, walking up and down the best streets, looking at where's opportunity. And I discovered a bunch of different properties, but one of them was a this 10-story office building. I kind of snuck in on a Sunday and I noticed that like five or six of the floors of the 10 were just vacant. There was mm -hmm. nobody there and like and they were they were torn apart. They were, you know, obviously they were not fit for offices. So I knew they had a huge vacancy rate. So I asked my broker, look into this building. And it's not on the market, but ask them if they're willing to sell. And uh, so he approached them and turns out, yeah, they were, will they were, they were open to a, a sale. Mm -hmm. And so we went back and forth, back and forth. And uh, we ended up, I ended up putting in a purchase agreement to buy it for 3.4 million. And this is a 10 story office building with commercial on the ground floor. And it came with another building that was attached to it, a one and a half story commercial building. Okay. And I think at the time their NOI was uh, $170,000 a year. So, you know, it, 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 the cap rate's pretty good, right? Yeah, what, what did your cap rate work out to? Uh, that would be, I think, it, I think it worked out to about a six cap or something, okay. or six, six and a half cap or something like that. Gotcha. I think their NOI was 166 or something and, you know, 3.4, you know, I, mm. I can't remember the math, but I, I think it was something like that. It was mm. not too bad. But again, I, I wasn't even caring about the cap rate as, at a commercial because my, my yeah. idea was to convert floors two through 10. And you had no experience in doing that. No, I had only, you had some conversations I mean, with I the create, city. I, no, uh, yeah, I, I, I went. I had a due diligence period, so I negotiated a due diligence period. Gotcha. Right? Okay. Uh, and it was about forty-five days, and I was going to do all my research, and I did a lot of research, and I went to the city, I talked to them, I, I saw the zoning, I've, I went to talk to the zoning yeah. department, talked to the planning department. Yeah, you can do it, no problem, right? Um, they want site plan control. Yeah, of course, you yeah. have to go through site plan control. Funny story is, I'll get to that afterwards, but mm. it actually didn't go through site plan control. Um, so I make an offer to purchase this deal. I have to put down $20,000, which I had because I just got all my money out from the flips and I, and I mm. sold one of my houses, right? Okay. So- um, Sorry, how, what percentage you have to put down? Just $20,000 $20, originally, okay. right? But when I firm- That's your deposit. Yeah, yeah, that's just the original deposit. Yeah. But but when I, if I go firm on the deal, I have to bring that up to a $250,000 deposit. Okay. Okay. So another 220. Yeah. Yeah. A 230 actually. That's but exactly. uh, um, I, so I'm doing all my research and everything. And, and I think, yeah, this is, this is so good. I'm going to get, I planned on getting 56 apartments plus I'd have Two commercial mm -hmm. plus the other one and a half story building, yeah, which was already fully rented out. And this is within one year of you getting to Windsor. Uh, this is in twenty. This is 
No, I arrived in June of 2018. Yeah. We put the offer in October 2019. Okay. So about a Still year. Still moved after. quick. Yeah, yeah, pretty quick, pretty aggressive. Um, again, it's it's more naivety and just gung ho go. You know, like I'm getting I old. Like I, I'm getting older. I gotta I gotta move. I gotta make some moves, right? So I put the offer in. I love the deal, but I don't have any way of closing, right? I have enough mm. money. I can scrape together enough money to get the deposit, like to get up to the 250K, but mm. I have no way of closing. I have to get partners, right? Or or I have to get some kind of really great financing, mm. but I don't think I'm going to get financing. I, I know I have to get a capital partner. So uh, I start looking for partners while I'm doing my due diligence on this deal. And I can't find any, but but I believe in this project so much. And part of it was I was very naive. I, I somehow, somehow I got the belief in me that if you go firm on the deal and you put the 250K down and the deal doesn't close, I'll get my deposit back. I was under that impression. Oh, wow. And, and uh, yeah. And unfortunately, uh, it was completely wrong. You would lose your deposit. Yeah. Right. And uh, so I went firm on the deal with that belief. I put, I, I scratched up the 250K because I made some money on the flips. I sold a house and uh, put, and, and I had to borrow some temporary money against equity I had in the second house. And, and I went firm on the deal. And, uh, and I, I applied, and then I got an extension. When I went firm, I did extend the closing by another 45 days, right? So now it's, late November, 2019, I've got to close by mid-February. I've got no way of closing, I have no mm -hmm. idea. But now I'm now I'm in full finance mode, like I've got to find a partner. So I'm approaching everyone from Vancouver all the way to Quebec. You know, anyone who's got money, who's interest, interested in real estate, I'm going to every real estate meetup I can. I'm, I'm just pitching it to everyone. I even went to a poker night with, uh, you know, uh, where was it in London with Ben with uh, sorry not Matt, um, uh, Matt McKeever and all his people? Oh, I remember when they did that. Yeah, yeah. I went to that poker night and I'm like circulating the deal to everyone. Mm -hmm. Matt takes a look at it. He goes, "It's interesting," but he didn't he didn't do anything else about it. But anyways, uh, I was banging on so many doors. I got so many rejections. Nobody, no, no, no. This is not going to work. It's a bad idea. And uh, but finally, I got one guy my private lender introduced me to someone he knew yeah. in windsor and i i sat down with him one night we ended up getting drunk but uh but i sold him on the deal like he loved it he loved the idea of it the problem is i had to he was very interested he likes it but and he's a local businessman who did very very well um he his net worth was according to him anywhere around 15 million dollars at the time and uh and so I, I just had to lock him down and get him out to the property to see, to get him to sign the joint venture agreement. But the problem is, is we're going into the holidays, sort of like we are now. And, and, and you know, it's hard to nail down high net worth individuals around holidays because they're traveling and everything. So I didn't get him out to the property until mid-January. But when I finally get him out to the property and I tell him everything I want to do with it, he loves it. He falls in love. He says, like, I want to be, I want to live on the penthouse. I love this idea so much. I want to move into the property. I want to, I want to, I want half the top floor for a penthouse. I'm like, you can have the whole floor if you want. Just sign a check. Here, sign the joint venture agreement, right? A few more weeks go by. Our closing date is in mid-February. It's now the first week in February. That's when I finally go out to his office. We finally sit down and he signs the joint venture agreement. 
but now we've got an ex we got a you know a negotiate another extension because you didn't, couldn't get the money in time yeah there's no way we could get it together yeah. right hi friends i just wanted to take a moment away from the episode to tell you about my brand new structured coaching program this is the first time i've ever offered a structured coaching program where we'll have regular meetings in addition to an intro call uh, to go through what your goals are and help you get on a plan to achieve those goals within real estate so if you followed me for some time and you feel that i would be a fit for you to help you achieve your goals in real estate based on my my skill set based on the topics we cover on this show, I encourage you to head over to my website, andrew-hines.com forward slash coaching and fill out the questionnaire so that we can schedule a call and figure out if it's a fit for us to work together. Let's face it, most people could benefit from a second set of eyes and ears going over their strategies, different deals that they're looking at, and helping to springboard ideas back and forth. This is a program that's exactly for that. So if you're looking to build confidence in what you're doing in real estate investing and get very clear on what it is you're trying to accomplish, this might just be the program for you. Take a moment, fill out that questionnaire, and let's schedule a chat. Okay, yeah, obviously tight for closing time. Yeah, so we're tight for closing, and but uh, we go back to the seller and we say, look, we need another extension until April 30th. And uh, they agree, but they want an extra $75,000 as deposit, as deposit yeah. and non-refundable deposit. And no extra purchase price? No extra purchase That's price. That's good, because yeah. a lot of them, they'll want, okay, yeah, now you owe us an extra hundred grand to buy the place, you know? Yeah. And they'll do that all, like, that's a very common thing if you need more time. Okay, the price just went up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can imagine, yeah, because they got us by the, well, they had me by the ball. Exactly. Like, what's your option? Yeah. And mm -hmm. my partner knew that, I, I had, yeah. obviously, I had explained everything, that this is all the money I had in the world, and I put it down on this deal, and, I, and if I don't get this deal closed, I lose it all, right? I'm back to square one again. Yeah. Um, and now he has to put up $75,000. Okay, so he right? did that. So, well, he didn't do it easily. Um, I remember he made me sign a promissory note uh, to give him my other house who I, that I hadn't sold, all the equity that I hadn't sold in the other house, right? Um, basically to pledge that equity, which was only maybe about forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 at the time. But I had to pledge that to him for him to put the seventy-five k down. Mm-hmm. But I did because I. Had so you no, had to give him that money as soon as you got it. No, I just had to pledge it as yeah, security, yeah. Okay, right? Sure. right? So he put the seventy-five k in. Now I know he's committed for sure because before he didn't even have a dime, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, he could back out of the deal, and I'd have to sue him. And that's and, a tricky thing with the JV things, that. right? Like they could just change their mind, and I've had a guy to do that on me. He's like, "Oh, I changed my mind." I'm like, "We're literally closing next week." <laughs> yeah, it's it's a it's yeah. a legal contract. Yeah, like yeah. You, you you couldn't enforce it, but. Yeah. But who wants to go down nah, that route? You know, it's, yeah. it's 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 a long, painstaking, stressful process. And here I would be if, let's say, let's say we didn't close. Yeah. And and he violated the, the terms of the joint venture agreement. I could sue him, and I'd have a case that he'd have to share in half sure. the losses. I'd still be looking at half half of my money gone. Mm -hmm. However, um, you know, I would be a guy with no money trying to fight a guy with fifteen million dollars. Yeah. There's not no, good. It, it, it's not the situation I wanted to be in. Of course not. So I agreed to give him the promissory note. He puts the seventy-five k in, and uh, and and we grow, and we we agree for the April thirtieth closing. But then, of course, next month COVID hits, <laughs> mm -hmm. and uh, you know we were talking to several banks. They were interested in financing it, but as soon as COVID came out. The phone line, people stopped answering the phone, right? Banks did not want to do any financing. They didn't know what was going, coming down the pipe, right? Mm -hmm. So the banks were dead. Uh, private lenders 
we're not even really interested because again everyone was very skittish and nervous we yeah. didn't know what was going to happen for april april was like a dead stop month where everyone just stopped functioning absolutely so is that the month you were in yeah that's the <laughs> month we were supposed to close uh. right so so now we're scrambling because now we've got three hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars at risk and we got to close now uh, I, I sat there and go, okay, the only way we're going to get this deal done is we got to do a VTB, right? We got we to approach him for a VTB. And I know that the seller really wanted this deal done because he's an older guy, retired, and mm -hmm. wants to retire, wants to wind down his business. And he's going to, he stands to make a lot of money. And he was only a 51% or 52% partner in the deal. There was a bunch of other partners that were tenants in the deal. And so I knew that he could, he controlled the deal, but, but all the other partners would be like, yeah, let's sell it. We're going to make good money on it. So I knew that there was honest motivation to sell the property. Um, and obviously they know, you know, COVID, what's going on. They, you know, they know things are going to be difficult. And the partner that I was partnered with was about the same age as a seller. And they kind of spoke the same way, the same language, like a lot of cursing, a lot of direct, you know, you mm -hmm. know, very direct language you know, and not afraid to swear in a business environment. Yeah. So I said, you're the one that's going to go talk to him. You go mm -hmm. talk to him. You guys speak the same language. You go talk to him, pitch him on this VTB. And, and I, you know, we laid out what we wanted from him. We knew how much money my partner had was able to get together in cash because he was frantically selling properties so that he could raise the money for the deal. But the pro problem is when COVID came out, you know, he was the properties that he had already sold and the and the properties he had for sale, he wasn't sure the, the ones were for sale were going to sell, and now the ones that he sold were going to close. So we were mm. kind of precarious, and he'd only raised like a million dollars, and we we're like, yeah, he, you know, you you need to bring a lot more than a million. You need to bring well, you need three to do and a quarter debt service and right? all that. Oh, so he was just going to fund the whole thing, no mortgage. He, he, he well, that was the idea. Mm -hmm. He wanted to be in that position, and then we'd put a mortgage on afterwards, right? Because yeah, that's why at first we were going to do like half more, like a mortgage of sixty percent. He would do the rest of the equity, and I would leave my deposit in it. And the deal was that I was going to be the active GC. Sure, yeah, he doesn't sense. have to do anything. I just yeah. run the project. It's my idea. I brought the deal. Yeah, you know. So we were 50-50 partners. But now we negotiate this VTB, and uh, they're actually pretty good. We negotiated a $2.4 million VTB um, at six percent, I think it was six and a quarter percent for three years. Okay. Right? Not bad. Um, and that allowed us to close because he had enough, you know, to come up with, with my deposit yeah. and the rest of the cash that we needed plus closing costs. He had enough. We could close now. But now he comes back to me because, again, he knows I'm in a vulnerable position. So now he comes back and goes, Ray, I don't like the deal anymore. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, I don't like the split. I don't think you should, I'm putting all this money in. You're putting in only 250. And uh, I don't think it should be 50-50. It should be 75-25. Yeah. And I was like, man, come on. You know, Didn't I, you already signed the agreement. Yeah, though? we already signed the agreement in good faith. Yeah. We, you know, I've, I've done all this yeah you know due diligence and work i brought you the deal you know i've been working with you to try with the with all the lenders and we we negotiated the vtb not only that i negotiated a contract with a tenant this is a weird one the seller allowed me to negotiate a contract that with a tent with a prospective tenant which was the university of windsor in anticipation of us being the owners 
right? Mm. Even though we didn't own it, I'm negotiating on his behalf to seal a deal. And I did. I, I closed the, the, the... So they were going to come in as a commercial tenant? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. At a really amazing rent, Yeah. right? On, on one of the ground floor properties. So I did all that. And I'm like, come on, this is not fair. But he knew he had me over a barrel, right? And because he knew like, if he walks away, I lose everything. But he loses everything too. He loses 75K. Oh, okay. right. Which is like a drop in the bucket to him, right? And uh, but didn't he fund the deal for a million as well? No, not yet because we haven't closed. closed. We haven't closed uh, yet, right? Well, he, could get he comes sued to me. Too. This is two weeks before he closing. Could get sued he comes too, right? He could. He yeah. could. He could potentially be sued. Um, and, but the thing is, I, I I had to agree because I was in such. I had my back up against the wall, right? And I agreed to it. But then it left such a bad fl- taste in my mouth. I knew that if if he's if he's doing this type of yeah. behavior now, do I really want to be on yeah. the hook with this guy for two, three years while we yeah. while we renovate this place and and then maybe possibly get screwed out of the end? Yeah. And I was like, you know what? Uh, I don't like this anymore. And I knew that he really wanted the building now because I know he's you been attached to, to him. So I, I know a day before closing, again, uh, I, I I told him, I said, listen, I don't want to be in this deal anymore. You can take the deal. I'll j- you just give me back my 250 at closing and you take the deal. And, uh, and, and, and then he tried to negotiate that, okay, I'll take the deal, but I'm not going to give you your 250. I'll give you 160 of your 250 back. He wants me to take a 90K loss. Yeah. And I was like, no way. I, at that point, I was you like- You should have at least got like a finder's fee for the deal. I know, I should have got at least yeah. something, right? But yeah. uh, no, no. Um, again, I just at this point, I just want to be free of him and free of this deal and free of the possibility of losing my two hundred fifty thousand dollars that I just made in the last year and a half, two years, and uh, and so that's and I, I refuse to give in to any more you know strong handed negotiation tactics. And I said, nope, I don't care. I'll walk away and I'll sue you, right? Mm-hmm. And and I said the seller will sue you, and he said okay, so. On the morning of closing, he says, "Yeah, I'll give you the 250." His lawyer sends me the 250. I sign off all the documents. He takes the deal, right? He mm-hmm. closes on the deal, and then I, so now it's the middle of COVID. I know that was a little bit of a long story, but it was crazy, crazy time. And I That's learned, interesting. and yeah. I learned so much. I felt yeah. like I got a university education in commercial real estate. Yeah, right. So I learned a lot. And I knew I didn't want to have partners after that. <laughs> the only partner I was willing to have was my my uh, uh, common law wa- common law wife. And I said, I, I told her, I said, listen, now I've got my money back. I'm going to do a conversion, but I'm not going to take any partners. I'm just going to do a smaller one. And you know, if you want to partner with me, you can. But uh, mm-hmm. but I have to be in control. Like I have to have controlling interest. You know, because I'm yeah. not going to be subject to anyone else anymore. That left such a bad taste in my mouth. So she agreed. And I said, okay, I'm 55%. You're 45%. You know, we formed a corporation. She's going to put some money in later. I'm going to start off. And mm-hmm. uh, and yeah. And uh, so I went shopping in the middle of COVID. I'm the only person making offers on commercial properties in downtown Windsor. I went to three different uh, properties, uh, owners. And I said, and, and all of them were you know, just distressed properties. Mm-hmm. Two of them were boarded up. Uh, one of them had like 70% of it was vacant and twenty 30% of it, you know, had some retail. But I made offers on all three of them. I said, here's my deal. 
I want a vendor take back of this amount. I want this is the interest rate. This is this is when I can close. Um, first one to come to the table gets the deal. And so actually, two of them were interested. One of them was just very slow moving, but the other one was like, yeah, we'll take that deal. And so I ended up buying um, a. a a building in downtown Windsor. It's actually on a nice street. It's on, I think, Windsor's nicest downtown street. It's called Polisher Street. And it was an old vacant nightclub. It had been vacant since 2018. And it had been very different iterations of nightclubs. And it was boarded up. The homeless and the drug addicts were using it as like an outside urinal and drug, you know, facility. And uh, it was just a huge eyesore in the downtown. Everyone yeah. hated it. It was just a crime center. So what was the structure of the deal on this one? So uh, what I proposed is I, I offered to buy this building. It's a two-story, 10,000 square foot, all concrete and steel structure, okay. right? But it's a nightclub. So 5,000 per floor. 5,000 per floor. And I offered them $425,000 for the building. Um, I'm willing to put down $50,000 deposit, the rest of them, rest of which they hold the 375 in a VTB at four percent for two years mm -hmm. they agreed nice yeah it was not bad i because remember i had a, about two hundred fifty thousand dollars that so i the had. rest is for like debt service so the, and so the plans 50, the fifty thousand yeah is yeah. is there that, that i'm only paying and i'm doing interest only payments right yeah. so uh it's only 1500 bucks a month in carrying costs mm -hmm. you know in addition to like insurance and property taxes which i I would just get the insurance and then wouldn't pay the property taxes until, until I needed to, right? Yeah, I like that methodology. <laughs> yeah, you know, pay it when I got it. And uh, and so I put most of the money towards renovations and, and it really started. And, and I didn't wait for a building permit. I just started renovating. I designed I designed all the apartments myself. I went to a, uh, an architect. I said, here's my floor plan. Here's how I want the apartments designed. Are you willing to work with me? And I met a cool guy. Uh, name is Joe Passa and he was willing to work with me and, and I said here's what I want you put it into plans and he worked with me on a very low cost basis yeah I mean my architectural fees on that project were really low very cool now did you need to go through a site plan control on that one so that one I did that one I had to go through because you're changing the usage changing of the, the building, use, right? Yeah. So, so I, they want you to do like the testing and make sure it's I had all... to do a phase one ESA, yeah. which passed. I didn't have to do a phase oh, two. So yeah, that's good. That's and then I had to get a report of site condition, which... Like a building so, conditional analysis or... No, or it's, it's it's a governmental certificate yeah. you have to get. Okay. Um, whenever you're changing from commercial to residential in Ontario, you're supposed to get a, a report of site condition. Okay. And the banks will want to see that, yeah. you know, if you're going to go refinance something. And so I thought it was going to be a long process, but yeah, it was like six weeks and I got it. No problem. Got all that yeah, you stuff pay done. Like $2,000. And what did they want from a site plan perspective, like in terms of other requirements? For site plan, they wanted me to, I, well, they, they give you all these conditions to say, okay, uh, you, you have, you don't have enough, you're not proposing any amenity space. So you're going to have to go through committee of adjustments to, to mm -hmm. ask for relief from the amenity requements. Okay, so minor right? variance on that. Yeah, yeah. minor variance. And uh, were you changing zoning, or are you sticking? No, with the zoning, zoning. I, I did a little trick that I don't think anyone else is going to be able to get through in Windsor. Um, the zoning for the property is a special zoning. It's CD three point six, and uh, and that allows for residential on the ground floor of a commercial street. 
right? Mm -hmm. And so, because most of the zoning is a CD3 something else. And and what it happens is you're only allowed to have an entrance for a residential on the ground floor of commercial gotcha. street. And then everything's got to be above the commercial. But CD3.6 was different. So that you could do the whole thing, I main can, floor I, res? I can't do the whole thing because the, because it, it's, zoned mul, uh, it's, it's zoned mixed use. So you have but to have some commercial component. I have to have element. some commercial component. Yeah. But obviously, if I put a commercial component in the front, um, you know, that, that costs me a window space and that costs me uh, a unit, right? Sure. So what I did is I proposed to them, I said, listen, um, at the back of the building, there's an alleyway behind the building. I've got an electrical room, right? where I can't access the outside from there. So there's like this little section in the middle of the building where I can't put an apartment anyways. So what I said is I'm gonna put a little office there and offices are not required to have windows, right? Mm. So I said, I'm gonna put a little office. It is smaller than this office. Like hmm. it, it's, it's about 100, maybe 130 square feet, right? It's very small. And, uh, and I put this little commercial, I said, that's my commercial space. I'm keeping that. The entrance to the office is off the alleyway, the back door. And zoning said, okay, no problem. Yeah, and I go. think the only reason they got away with that is because the city really hated the way the property looked. And I was proposing to do a, yeah, a major like, improvement. If, if you're trying to do something that they want you to do, then they'll try and make it work. Yeah, I yeah. think they, they turned a blind eye. Sure. And, and I know I got a little bit of leeway there because somebody tried to do the same thing on a similar type property that they bought two yeah. years later. And the city said, no, 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 we're not gonna allow that again. You know, you yeah. have to put, we want commercial in the front. Yeah, I mean, right? and I, I think like from an owner's perspective, I'd be inclined to want to keep a store fronting on the street just because it almost looks weird not to. And it is like from a, an apartment standpoint, yes, you can rent it, but it's not, it's not mm -hmm. super ideal for somebody to be on the main street uh, at ground level. Well, here's the thing, this building, I don't know if you saw a picture of it, uh, half of the, the, the lower level is half below grade and half above. Okay. Right? Oh, so you're up okay. A bit. So, so, so to get into the lower level, you have to go down six mm -hmm. steps. To get to the second level, you have to go up 12, 12 steps. So, this, there's a second floor. And so, it wasn't really like we were right on ground. So, yeah. we, our, our first level was below, and our second level okay. was above. And, uh, and so, it didn't really have that. It's not like yeah. you're walking by business, 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 and then, oh, somebody's, you know, living room is right there. Yeah. Right. It's, it's, it, and it was set back from the sure. street too. Yeah. So that helped. So, uh, I go through, uh, I, I got through the zoning with that strategy. Um, site plan control. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't have to rezone anything. I, I got the minor adjustment. I just basically argued that I don't have to have an amenity space. The whole downtown is my amenity space. Right. Yeah. And, uh, I said, you know, there's the YMCA is right over here. The, you know, there's grocery stores, there's, there's parks, there's this yeah. place, there's lots of places. And they accepted our argument. And I also told them that there's lots of parking in the area that, you know, I'm going to offer, I'm going to rent out spaces if I have to, and, and offer those to my parking, uh, to my tenants, which I actually do. Um, but I was exempt from parking requirements too. So you didn't do parking, didn't do amenities. How many units did you end up getting? So I ended up getting 13 apartments in the building. 13. Yeah. Now they are Toronto sized apartments. Okay. So like 600 So in Windsor, in, yeah. So my smallest, uh, I got my, I've got ba two bachelor units that are 435 square feet. Yeah. And I think the bare minimum in Windsor is 433. Like they have a bylaw that restricts the dwelling unit to 433 minimum. So I have two bachelors that are about 435. I got 
I got a bunch of one bedrooms that are about 525, 550. Two bedrooms are around 650. I have one two bedroom and, and then I've got, sorry, I got two two bedrooms. And then I've got a couple three bedroom apartments yeah. that are around 750 square feet. So so you bought this for how much total? 425,000. 425. And what did you put into it? Do you figure like soft carrying and e construction? Everything in total. And it kept on getting bigger and bigger because we kept on yeah. doing more and more. But everything in total we put in including the solar panels and all the financing costs about 2.3 million 2.3 that includes your acquisition cost no no it's a 2.3 so in total in total we're into it for about 2.7 million 2.7 yeah okay yeah. so and your average rent on those 13. The, uh, currently my average rent per apartment is just under 2700 a month what yeah. 2700 yeah these must be done really well. They're done beautifully. They're the they're the nicest looking apartments. But we also, but we don't rent them out unfurnished. We rent them out fully furnished. Furnished. Okay, that's you know, the big difference. We do furnished okay. rentals. Yeah. What are your uh, your annual taxes there approximately now? Property taxes. Yeah. The funny thing is, I got into I, I went and did lead certification. There's a little story here. So yeah. I I I went and did lead certification because the downtown downtown Windsor had a CIP program, which is a community improvement program. Yeah. Hence, through oh, the, so no through, change in taxes. So so, so the community yeah. improvement program allowed for uh, five thousand dollar sorry twenty five hundred dollar grant per dwelling unit that you add up to a maximum of fifty thousand. Uh, no development charges. No parking exe exempt from parking requirements, and if and they would freeze your property taxes for five years. Yeah. However. If you were designated as a, uh, as a, uh, I can't remember the, the words they use, but basically, if you were a major project in the downtown, like a, a, a strategically major project, they yeah. would freeze your property tax for ten years. I, this was project was not of that size, so I couldn't get that. Yeah. So, but the other way you could get it frozen for ten years is if you got this LEED certification, which is an energy efficiency certification. Gotcha. Okay. So I said, okay, I'm going to go do it because I figure I'm going to get my property taxes so, frozen for for ten years. So I went and did it. Uh, we we're going to get the LEED. It total in total, it probably cost me. I'm thinking forty five, fifty thousand dollars in extra yeah. cost to do the LEED. Okay. However, I'm going to benefit with all these. Energy efficiency, and and when I say forty five to fifty thousand, that doesn't include the solar. The okay. solar is a different. That's another hundred and fifty thousand, yeah. right? But the solar, you know, you're going to get your money back in different ways. And um, so I did this lead certification just so I could get the ten, the ten, the ten year tax freeze. However, again, I didn't know that when I went from commercial to residential, that I didn't know that the city would change the mill rate on me. So they changed the mill rate to a residential, which in Windsor is much lower yeah, than so the commercial. So my property taxes went down by $4,000 a year anyways. Yeah. So I'm not even eligible for the offset that, you know, like, cause I thought my property taxes were going to go way up. Yeah. Right. And, and I was going to save, I thought I was going to save like two, so three. Didn't end up saving you anything? I, it didn't end up saving me anything so, because my property taxes went down. So, so what are the property taxes now? So now they're about 13,500 a year. Yeah, and then your insurance is probably like what six, seven grand a year, ten, ten, ten thousand okay. a year. Yeah. 
and um, maintenance I'm just going to leave like 5% there. Uh, utilities, that's probably Uti Utilities, everything is electric. So I, I cut the all gas off at the road. It's all heat pumps. So you just got like water meter, efficient. rental, and then all the uh, the electric for all the units. There's no rental. Uh, there's a water meter. Yeah. And then I own all the, the hot water tanks yeah, okay. and everything, which are all electric. Yeah. And, um, and then it's just electricity and water. Yeah. Currently right now, my bills per month are about twenty four hundred dollars, twenty two to twenty four hundred dollars okay. a month. However, yeah. my solar panels that I just got installed about three months ago, yeah. they haven't been commissioned yet because Enwin takes forever to do this stuff. As soon as they get commissioned, which should happen the next week or two, yeah. and that kicks in, my electricity portion of the bill should go right down to just. Is going to be net metering? No, it's not. Uh, yeah, yeah, net offset, metering. Sorry, yeah. not microfit. Yeah, net metering. Yeah. So basically. Um, my bill should go down to almost just the you know the the yeah. customer account charge. Sure, that makes right? sense. Maybe a little bit extra in the wintertime, but in the summertime, yeah. I'll be generating more electricity than in my bundle. And I'm going to treat that as a separate business endeavor because yeah. it, it kind of is. But uh, but anyways, that my 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 utility costs will drop by I'm thinking about eight hundred to nine hundred dollars a month. Okay, uh, nice. so there's there's something substantial in there. the future. Yeah, but right now I, I don't have that. So we'll call it the twenty eight thousand eight hundred a year, yeah. which is the twenty four hundred. What uh, what do you pay for management, or do you just self manage? No, I, ha I at first I was doing self management. Now I have property management in place. So the the same company that was doing my cleaning, yeah. um, was cleaning the apartments because I started off doing Airbnb. I started oh, off okay. running this thing as a as a as a as a hotel. Oh, crazy! Okay, right. So now it's midterm. Now it's all mid and long term. Okay, right. Actually, more long term than midterm. Yeah. And uh, and that was another learning lesson. Like I've made a lot it's of mistakes hard. and a yeah. lot of bad assumptions through this sure. whole process. But they've all been learning process. So I started off doing all these short-term rentals. Despite Windsor bringing in its own short-term rental bylaw restrictions, I, yeah. I was doing really well with it. But uh, then I found out the banks don't want to refinance you. You know, I'm sitting yeah. on a private mortgage now, right now, of $2.2 million yeah. at 11%. And, uh, and you know, I, I don't want to get this thing paid off, but the yeah. banks won't give me a mortgage because I'm doing short-term rentals. Mm -hmm. And so you switched to so, so yeah. I so, so that we had to switch this whole, like, I realized I was going to get about $100,000 a, a year less in revenue I was mm -hmm. giving up, yeah. right? By giving up the short-term rentals yeah. and going to furnished long-term rentals. But um, but now that I'm going away from short-term rentals, and I, then we start looking at the MLI Select, CMHC MLI Select, because yeah. I've got the energy efficiency. Did you get that program after all? I did. I got accepted into it. I got 100 points. So I'm, gonna, so I'm supposed to get 95% loan to value. 95%, nice. However, that's not working out. It's all got messed up. Well, because they just yeah. came up with a rule change in CMHC. Yeah, yeah, they keep changing it. Now you have to resubmit. So pause on that thought, though, because I just sure. want to kind of yeah, get an idea of the let's numbers. Let's stick with this. Uh, Management-wise, did you go 7% or 5%? So management-wise, I struck a deal with them. I basically pay $3,000 a month for management okay. and cleaning. And the reason why my cleaning bill is higher is because with all my furnished rentals, I offer uh, biweekly cleaning included oh, okay. in the rent. Yeah, so you're, so you're about, uh, yeah, it works out to be like like 9% then. Yeah, but that's including cleaning, Yeah, that's, right? a lot, that's a lot of value you're getting there. So that's yeah. uh, that's why people are happy and paying a lot. And then you have landscape, snow removal, garbage removal. They do garbage and snow, uh, but there's no real landscaping. Like there's, yeah. there's, there's, there's it's concrete everywhere. Garbage and yeah. snow. So would you say you're like three grand a year for the snow? Or you actually you don't have parking. 
Yeah, no, so I have no parking. So it's, you're, you're, it's just the walkway in front of the building. So you're and, like a few and they just put bucks, ice down and shovel. Like 500 know? bucks a season or something? Or no, it's included more. in the... Oh, the management does Management, it. yeah. Management okay, and then garbage service is like Gar- dumpsters? No, it, yeah, it's all bins that yeah. the city picks up for free. So right? you don't have any expense of that? It's no expense of that. And, and, and included in the yeah. management contract is they put it out and take it in. Right. Nice. Three times a week. Okay. So your value, what do you figure it is when you're like now? What's the value? I got an appraisal at four million eight hundred and eleven thousand. Very specific. All right. So I got a cap yeah, rate of like number. six point five, six point four eight uh ish. What the the cap rate? Yeah. That's not about right, or is that too high? He I think on the appraisal it's a five and a quarter cap okay, rate. Okay, so that's just the way my expenses were yeah. in here. Um yeah. so a little bit different. Well, a lot of times appraisers use their own um, yeah. estimate of your expenses. Yeah. yeah. Plus, pl- uh, so the if you went just on the cap rate of five and yeah. a quarter percent, my valuation was over five million. Yeah. But because they take into a, account a comparative analysis yeah. as well, that always takes yeah. your takes your appraisal down. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. You know, because they have to give some weighting to comparative analysis. Right. And so that's how they came up with four point eight. So I'm just trying to get an idea of kind of like what your dynamics, what your equity in the in the deal looks like. Like you're in for like two point seven and change, you're getting a four point eight appraisal. If you got say seventy percent loan to value, you'd be at three point three, which would be mean meaning you'd be pulling money out and keeping the building. Yeah. Which you haven't got to that point yet. You're no, still not well, done yet. Okay, so we were gonna get we qualified for the loan to value of ninety five percent with mm. MLI Select. Yeah. But they just did a real change in CMHC. If your financing, if your construction financing was with a non approved CMHC lender, yeah. now they boot you out of it and they say you have a two year waiting period. Right. Right. Yeah. The reason they're doing this is they're they they do not want to be seen as financing renovations. Oh, okay. Right. And a lot of a lot of repositioning of multifamily apartment buildings are done by companies or REITs where they where they use their own money or they yeah. use they use uh private money to yeah. buy it. They do their renovations. Yeah. And then and then and then they go to CMHC for takeout financing. Yeah. And and uh and CMHC did not like this because it's politically very mm. uh you know, sourdough to, uh, yeah. to, 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 you know, to get to, to be seen financing rent evictions in this environment, in this housing but crisis. Even, even if you ended up on this one with like a, a regular 25 year mortgage, like, tw- and like yeah, it a, would still make sense at 6%. You'd be like 4,400 cash flow a month. Yeah. Like it'd still be a, a great building to have in your yeah. portfolio. Um, so believe it or not, we've gone through an hour and I've like never done a, a podcast like this where it was just basically I asked you to tell me about your story and the whole podcast is your story. It was a pretty crazy story. Yeah, but it's a good story. Yeah, it was yeah. your good storyteller. And and I, you know, we built in there a deal analysis kind of looking at this yeah. deal, which is actually a fascinating deal. Um, so at a high level, like, is there anything else you wanted to share as like a, you know, a one minute wrap up of kind of what we've gone through some like key learning you want people to take away from this? Sure. Um, I, I think that the, the key thing that people should take away from whatever I have to share is one, be very creative, be mm-hmm. aggressive and be creative. Yeah. All right. Don't be afraid to make mistakes because you can always fix them. You can always figure yeah. out solutions to your mistakes. Right. I mean, there are some might be more painful than others. Yeah. Some of them might be yeah. a little bit more costly. Some of them might be more yeah. painful, but you, as long as you learn from them, you can't lose. Mm-hmm. And uh, so just be aggressive. You know, if you if you really want to do make a a huge change to your wealth in a sh- relatively short period of time, you have to be very creative and very aggressive. Um, 
you know, we're doing very well now. Uh, this takeout finance, which we're close to getting, mm. um, it's probably going to be in the $4 million range. That's, That's what really we're going cool. to be pulling out. And, uh, and I've already bought the next project. So that funds the next project well. Actually, I bought the next project six months after I bought yeah. this one. <laughs> and I used some of the So you have them fund. concurrently going. Do you have more going? I have um, another one going. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be doing a self-storage facility in Beautiful. downtown Windsor after this. Love it. And then I just bought another one to do a conversion. Um, we're, we're taking a small mini retirement next year. Yeah. Uh, in the beginning of next year for the winter, we're gonna go away for about five months yeah. to Asia and Europe. And, uh, and my goal is to manage, cause I don't wanna, I've hung up my GC hat. I do not wanna be swinging hammers anymore. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I'm in a position where I don't have to do that anymore. Yeah. And and I'm going to manage this next renovation remotely, you know, through Zoom calls and yeah. stuff like this and give the give my contractor who I trust a credit card. And uh, and I'm going to manage this next little conversion and hopefully make a million dollars while I'm gone. That'd be cool. And then come back, come back from yeah. the trip around the world and we're, we're a million bucks richer. That sounds great, that's, man. That's we, the goal. We could go on for hours and I'd like yeah. to. We'll, we'll have to do a follow up conversation at some point. Sure. But uh, tell people where they can find you and follow you. So basically, just check me out. Uh, go to the Bitcoin buildings, buildings, plural, because we're going to do more okay. than one building. So go to the bitcoinbuildings.com. Uh, yeah. You can see everything about this project here. And and then, you know, any contact information you find on the website is going to come right to me. Awesome. And you can, and you can reach me through there. Um, what I'm really interested in, in, just 30 seconds longer, sure. is what I'd love to reach out to anyone who potentially might be listening my goal in the future i have like a five to ten year goal of building two high rises in windsor and uh taking our wealth to you know the 150 to 200 million dollar range that's the the ambitious goal that i have now so i really want to if if anyone anyone out there listening is is currently doing high rises and would love to sit down and talk about Windsor. I can I can definitely offer you a lot of value on information on Windsor and what's going on there. And and I can tell you how it's the best place to invest in the next 10 years in Canada, hands down. Also, um, I can give you a lot of creative ideas of things that I've incorporated into the building. We didn't even touch on uh, energy yeah. efficiency, Bitcoin mining integrated into the building, all kinds of stuff. So um, if you if you want to reach out, uh, I'd be happy to sit down with anyone, you know, we can share information. I already have a couple people from Toronto. There's a lot of GTA developers now looking yeah. at Windsor. I think within five to seven years, we'll have t 12 cranes in the sky at least. That's building so high cool. rise. Super cool. And hopefully two of them will be mine. All right. Yeah. Well, Ray, this was awesome, man. I, Thank you. I, Thank I you for your conversation. time. And yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll definitely have to have a round two to, to continue the discussion. I appreciate it. Thank All you very much. Right. Thank you. Here's how infinite banking works in under 60 seconds. You have to save your money somewhere. Well, we think the best place to save it is inside a cash value life insurance policy. You save some money in there, it grows tax-free for the rest of your life. Then an opportunity or emergency comes, comes along. Let's say a few years down the road, you can buy a business, buy a property, buy an income-producing asset. You leverage the infinite banking policy, borrow against your asset, take advantage of the opportunity. But your money still stays in the infinite banking policy. You're not borrowing your money, you're borrowing the insurance company's money. So your money's in the policy, it's in the opportunity, and it's providing a death benefit. Rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. You get to retirement, you have this massive cash value life insurance, leverage that tax-free, and you don't repay those loans. You sit on the beach and you spend that money tax-free every month doesn't show up on a tax return, and you leave your family a huge tax-free death benefit.